two mice fell into a bucket of cream. Here's two guys that fell into a radio station to talk about movies on Phoenix FM. Yes, it is indeed. With me, Stuart Pink and Mark Sibby. Um, you're still covered in cream, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. So suddenly we've got these new film jingles, haven't we? Oh, they're fantastic. I've, I've just been playing them all day, to be honest with you. They're, they're brilliant. Um, yeah. How did you manage to persuade yeah. Christopher Walken to do one of those? Listen, I know a few people, okay? <laughs> this is the thing. When you work in the industry, you know you know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who can get it. Actually, that, that's a lie, to be honest with you. No, um, you don't know anybody. That, that jingle. <laughs> yeah, I don't know Christopher at all. Um, that jingle and many others, which you will hear throughout. Scattered through the doing podcast. Our, our shows scattered throughout uh, over the next weeks and months and whatever else. Um are all done by uh, our good friend of the show, Stuart Smith, um, who actually is a predecessor of you. I used to do the reviews on Phoenix with him. Aha! Before you. Before, before you. Another Stuart, basically. Way back when they used to have um, talented voices doing this very show. Um, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So, um, oh, yes, we've got to say thank you to Stuart. Yeah, to d- doing these voice um, uh, jingles for us. We've got loads more, as I said. The thing is, of when I first met him, he, he was telling me what he used to do. And I was like, this is fascinating. So for, for like years, I'm going to say decades, just to age him here, actually. As well. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hundreds of years. <laughs> <laughs> hundreds of years um he's been doing all of these impressions on radio and now basically he does these impressions so um you can get him doing impressions for your sat nav now he's his um gordon ramsay check this out his gordon ramsay impression i think i'm getting this right his gordon ramsay impression was used as gordon ramsay's sat nav in the TV show uh, Gordon, Gino, and Fred. You remember that show? I oh yeah, on, I, think it's, I think it's still on. I yeah, think yeah. Sure I've seen it on. Yeah, I think it might still be on. So, so Gordon Ramsay's sat now <laughs> is Stuart doing Gordon Ramsay, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> That's so, like so Inception. That. Um, it kind of is, isn't yeah. it? It kind of is. Yeah, I think that's hilarious, and I know that um, he's done some digital greeting cards as well that you can buy online. Where obviously, you know. Loads of people, loads of people um, that that uh, he does impressions of. Uh, I'm just I'm just flicking through the list. He does uh, check out these names: David Attenborough, obviously Gordon Ramsay, Alan Rickman. Always oh, Alan Rickman is very good, actually. Um, Victor Meldrew, Christopher Walken, Christopher Lloyd, Chris Tarrant, <laughs> Liam Neeson, Daniel Day Lewis. Oh, wow! I mean that's I mean that's just a small selection of who he does oh, as digital greeting cards as well. So you know he does, he does all of that as well. You see, so you can have him as your sat nav. You can have him doing your digital greeting cards. I mean, it's a lot of Stuart. I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's so cool. But, though. We could, could get him to say anything. It is quite in cool, those accents and those voices. I mean, what I know, what a dude. I know, and I always want to ask him as well. How do you do? I know. Like, how, how do you how do you get started? Like, I can't I can't do impressions. I'm terrible at impressions. I don't even know how you would get started. Maybe we should get him on on one of the shows before I do the film reviews, and we can ask him these questions. Do you want to hear my Charlie Chaplin impression? Go on. There you go. What do you think? It's pretty good. Yeah, it won't pass, I mean, it's it? pretty good. Yeah. It, but it's it doesn't work on radio. It's more, oh, that, that's a yeah. visual thing. You're right. Yeah, true. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think. <laughs> I think Stuart, who's done the, the, can keep the little gig, jingles for us, is okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Considerably better. Yeah. 
<laughs> He's marvellous. So, can so, we? What's the, where, where can we um, go to find out? So, jingles. Yeah, we should, we should mention obviously. Voice so, overs. Stuart's website is celebrityvoices.co.uk. You can go there and see all the stuff that he does. Obviously, other celebrity voice impersonators are available. We should say that, but but Stuart's our friend, and we like him very much. And he is a friend of Phoenix FM, and he used to work at Phoenix. He's a beyond here. So I think we should. I wonder if he well, ever he, did a whole he, show he was, as like Professor Snape. <gasps> Or as Christopher Walken, that'd be so cool. <laughs> we should get him to come in. Well, this is what I'm saying. Why don't we show? get him back in to do like a half hour interview as Christopher Walken or something? Yeah. And we can ask him about the movie. We should that. do this. Al Pacino and Phoenix FM. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. You can he does a very good Al Pacino as well. That's the thing. Yeah, I, we should do this. Okay, right. Look, obviously we're going to get to the film reviews, but we ju- we we should say thank you to Stuart for doing yes. this. It's greatly appreciated. Um, we we love them, um, and you will hear them throughout the, the two film nerds forthcoming immeasurably well. happy. By, by it's true it's true absolutely <laughs> like literally when i got the email and he sent them to me i was in fits of hysterics and then i sent it to you and you were like these are amazing they're absolutely brilliant <laughs> and we were like they were, do you know it was amazing it, the the big long file as he was doing all of them he just switches in a instant to a new voice you're like how does he do that yes it's incredible yes now that you see we, we saw behind the curtain there we did that's the thing because obviously Stuart normally yeah. just sends out the professional bits but we saw behind the curtain and you're right he basically just goes from one voice to the next to the next to the next like there's not even a pause where he has to think about something you go how's yeah. he doing if you're doing a, a, a radio film I guess uh, just, just book Stuart you can do every part uh, <laughs> lock him in yes. the room <laughs> Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And but, off you go. <laughs> yeah. So just to say thank you to Stuart again for, for doing those. We, we really like them and hopefully people enjoy them when they're listening to them as well. So uh, Stuart's work is out there. As we said, celebrityvoices.co.uk. Absolutely awesome. Thanks, Stuart. Uh, right. I'll, we'll get him to kick off the film review, shall we? We might as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. You want movies? These two are in my circle of trust. We got movie reviews on Phoenix FM. That's right. Mark Zirby, what have you got for us this week? <laughs> okay, so um, let's get a bit serious because obviously, you know, it's it's coming up to elections in the US at some point soon. And there is a movie out called The Independent. This is in select cinemas and also on Sky Cinema. It's about a young journalist who discovers a conspiracy involving a US presidential candidate that could change the election and the fate of the country. Oh, okay. Sounds very real. So, (laughs) (laughs) yes, exactly. You see, you see. Um, I mean, this is an investigative journalism movie and it is a genre of films i'm a big fan of i I love to watch scandals unfold due to brilliant and digital diligent and dogged journalism you know like like films like the insider and and spotlight and obviously she said which is doing very very well at awards at the moment and we reviewed it last year um they're 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 great they're all top drawer investigative journalism films Yeah, yeah yeah the independent is not Oh. I'm sad to say. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. As building you up oh, there. Oh, it's, went, here we go. No, it's, it's not. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. It's a, it's a bit of a damp squib, to be honest, when it comes to like all the high points in the film that it's kind of aiming for. You know, the, you, you get 
the slow build-up to the findings of the conspiracy play out as if the filmmakers have just got all the time in the world. I only really notice it start to try and go up through the gears and like you know things start to happen and conspiracies starting to be found out and whatever else about the hour mark. And the film's only one hour and 45 minutes, which doesn't leave much room for yeah, that full-throttle, expose, explosive finale that most of these films have. Like most so election instead, campaigns, it's a long time coming. It just rumbles. It, well, it is. <laughs> yeah, but we've only got one hour and 45 minutes of this movie. So yeah. I, I don't think you can be, you know, treading water with anything. It needs to get in there. And what we've got instead is this slow pace as we sit and watch upcoming journalist Ellie James and curmudgeonly old reporter Nicholas Booker try and find a way to work together to break open this big conspiracy. It basically plays out as a young person um, explaining explaining how the modern world works to an old person. But the thing is, Nicholas Booker has been around the block. He's been working at the newspaper for decades so all that it feels like is she's talking down to him. Yeah, he like, should know what he's doing film. at this point. Is she down to him? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. I, I just thought it stru- the, the entire film struggles to find an edge it's wanting to use. So instead it kind of flip-flops between an intent, trying to be an intense drama, then trying to be a political thriller. It doesn't really master any of them. In fact, it doesn't really get any of those correct in the grand scheme of things either, to be honest. And I... Part of the problem with the film is that the storyline shifts over to something else. So what happens is about mm, about 40 minutes in, um, we, we discover that Eli's boyfriend, uh, sorry, Ellie's boyfriend works for the politician her and Nicholas Booker are trying to pull down. So you have this dynamic of will she betray her boyfriend or is she going to stay on his side? But what actually happens is the film kind of becomes this relationship drama between these two characters to see if their relationship can survive all of this. But that's not what the film is meant to be. Yeah, it's kind of supposed to be about you know, the, the president's the, campaign. Exactly. It's meant to be yeah. about presidents and being pulled down and conspiracies. So we get these long scenes where it's about their relationship rather than the case at hand. It's, it's, it's a mm. misguided idea to throw in there I, I can see the thought process but when it's one of the main issues going on in the film and the conspiracy theory here you're like this doesn't make sense it's what you're trying to break is nothing to do with your relationship with the person apart from the fact that the person you're with uh, has a working relationship so that you know you can always have that disconnect when you work Compared to your home life, you always have that disconnect. Yeah. But this, this doesn't seem to have that, and it's a bit instead of a you get this film. That... Ah, ah, rom con. That's a good point. Yes, yes, absolutely. Look, I can't fault the cast. Okay, it's a really good cast. I mean, Brian Cox plays Nicholas Booker um, in a sort of poor man's succession type way, shall we say? Um, Jodie Turner Smith is playing Ellie James. I, I like Jodie Turner-Smith. I think she's very good. Yeah. Um, but this is not a good role for her. John Cena is playing the US presidential candidate. Uh, yes, that's right. John Cena, the yeah. ex-WWE wrestler. <laughs> um, so it's a good cast, but it is very basically written. And,
And it just lacks energy. It lacks that spark and that moment where you go, okay, they've got them now. Fantastic. I can't wait to see yeah. what's going to happen. So it's, it isn't so much all the president's men as to all the cliches in the book, maybe. <laughs> I yeah. know that doesn't really work as a thing, but but it is full of cliches. Like it, it is the type of thing where you go, I think I know what's going to happen next. I think, oh yeah, they're doing that. Oh right, yeah. So that that's the issue with this movie is that it's 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 got such an interesting storyline, but it doesn't develop it. It doesn't it doesn't have that intensity that a lot of investigative journalism movies have. Yeah, you need to invest in the. The journalists, most of all, don't you really? To kind of yes, want them to get to the bottom of it. And if you're not getting there, and already you can't get them with the dynamic between the two, then it's it's well. That's not the thing, especially start. in this day and yeah, we, especially in this day and age where obviously digital journalism as well. So when you have a film that is about old-fashioned investigative journalism for a newspaper, you kind of want to go, yes, of course, you know, this must still matters. But I came away going. Nothing really happened in that that I was really uh, that I really cared about. Yeah. Oh, shame. I felt like looking at the poster, the, the image of the mm. see the bit of the trailer. Um, this is is this like a bit of a film version of House of Cards? I mean, you, we're kind of seen it already. <laughs> I do you know what? I didn't really want to say that at all because. While House of Cards is a, is a completely different entity, and you know it's an amazing TV series as well, um, it's it tr- it tries to have the look of House of Cards. I think that's the best way to describe it. Yeah. It's trying to look like House of Cards, but the story is nothing to do with that, really. Okay. Um, yeah, it's it, it's not that. It's just going. Do you remember? The posters for House of Cards. We've done a poster similar to that. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. And do you remember the trailer for House of Cards? We've done a trailer similar to that as well. So if you like House of Cards, you'll like this. But in actual fact, it, it, it's nothing like that. They should be aiming for all the president's men and Spotlight and Insider and, and She Said as yeah, well. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah. Some some uh, misdirection on the marketing, shall we say. So the independent, you would have preferred to see the expose on like the um, the ads and the the back pages rather than the political side of things. <laughs> yes. Mansell's yeah, trampoline. So. I think so. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> was it one yes, careful please owner collect. was it not? Yeah, yeah please collect from South End. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, we could have done another film, but uh, hey, let's use the voices. Just when you thought it was over, here is another film review. <laughs> what you got extra, Mark? <laughs> Okay, so um, a film that uh, just recently, uh, just last Sunday, actually won the best British film at the BAFTAs, which is a movie called After Sun. And this Uh is about Sophie, a young girl who reflects on a holiday she took with her father 20 years ago. She's been watching old videotapes of the holiday and filling in gaps with her memory. She tries to reconcile the father she knew with the man she didn't. Oh, okay. Oh, like looking yes, back at home so, movies. Yes, yes. It's all set in the 90s. And for anybody who obviously, you know, well, British holidays in the 90s, when you were a kid, were a wholly different experience than, than these days. You know, you oh, were kind yeah. of lucky if you managed to make it abroad, certainly in the early 90s. It's usually anyway. a caravan park, wasn't it? It, it was. You're right. Yeah, yeah, it was usually a caravan park or if you were lucky, a hotel somewhere. Yeah. Um, 
but but not a hotel on the seafront. Absolutely not. This <laughs> movie actually is about Sophie and her father Callum. Now they're on holiday in Turkey, so obviously you know they've, oh, they've ventured abroad. They did well, yeah. They did, yeah, absolutely. And while they're there, they they do manage the odd word of the language. But they, they can't do too much. They're both fish out of waters in this film because they are both collectively and individually trying to find themselves or at least trying to find some part of themselves while on this holiday. So we see Callum try and connect with Sophie, who isn't a teen. I, I think she's about 12 in it, 12, maybe 13 going okay. on. Um and he's trying to connect with her in many different ways. And Sophie is receptive and actually enjoys being with her dad because they get on quite well. But Sophie is always is also struggling with coming of age and trying and, and she's kind of wanting to hang around older kids at the hotel that they're staying at. But she's a bit shy as well. She's she kind of wants to start breaking free from her dad, but she's also not fully a teenager and she hasn't got that teenage angst yet, but it, you can see it, she's on the cusp of it. So there is this interesting dynamic included in this film. You know, you have this child on the cusp of teenagehood while the father tries to find that middle ground with her. Both of them ultimately are coming of age, but in very different ways. Yeah, interesting. And that's kind of what we see. Yeah, the film itself does drift along at a slow pace. It's much like being on a holiday, I guess. You know, it's, hey, we'll just <laughs> yeah, take our time. A rush, we'll just have another sangria. Yeah, exactly. Sort of take our time. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have sangria. Whatever. It's beautifully shot. Great cinematography. Uh, some wonderful locations in Turkey. Yeah. However, it is that central relationship between the two characters that is everything that binds this film. And I don't mind admitting to you that... For the majority of this film, I found both Callum and Sophie as very standoffish characters. You know, I couldn't quite okay. get as close to them as I, I really wanted to. There was something holding me back, and it was really difficult to put my finger on what it was. Then, right at the end of the film, I'm talking about the last five minutes, maybe not even the last five minutes, maybe the last two minutes of this film, everything fell into place. And I fully understood both the reasoning behind the way I felt, why I was being held back from, you know, feeling what Callum feels, but also the way that what was happening fitted into Callum's life away from his daughter. Because we see that a bit. She's trying to understand later in years that actually her dad is not the same person she thought he was and we see uh, these brief glimpses of his other life basically and suddenly i'm watching it and I'm, it's like a revelation basically yeah suddenly everything goes click and i go oh i get it i get it and now i almost feel at one with callum that's the thing uh, like like callum is my age he's i, I think he's in his 40s He's my age. Now, granted, I don't have children, but at the same time, the things that Callum was going through, I'm kind of like, I understand that. I, I, I understand his mental state in this. And it, I, you just go, okay, now I get it. Yeah. So I think it just goes to show that watching a film all the way through to the end is the requirement. I mean, not that yes. I've ever left before the end. I mean, goodness knows I've sat through some atrocious movies <laughs> that have made me want to leave. But once you're in, but you're in. Exactly. And look what happens. It answers all of the questions that I had. And I went, okay, 
I understand it now. Yeah. I get it. Nice. So much like and the first film, waiting right till the end, till we're getting into the nitty gritty of it. But you think this one, mm. in a totally different way, nailed it at the end. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's. I just came away. I've seen it twice now as well. And second time it plays very differently because I'm oh, already in the zone, yeah, basically. Yeah, I know a bit more. And yeah, I think so. That's the thing. The sucker punch at the end of this is hugely dramatic. And, and by that point, I was like, wow, okay. I will say this, as much as I'm saying, you know, it's a heavy movie and there's some really heavy subject matter, on the surface, this is quite a light and wavy type movie. You know, the, the characters are easy going. Hey, they're on holiday. It's only a 12 watching them on holiday. Nice sort of... Exactly. But here's the thing. Underneath all of that, this is a movie about memories and how time can alter those for the good and bad. Mm. But also it helps fill in the blanks of our memories and maybe gives us a better understanding of of family. Yeah. And you go, wow, okay, this is some heavy stuff. But it's done in such a way that it doesn't feel like it. Nice. Like a good uh, meaning behind a film without having an amory at home too heavy. This yes. looks like... Yes, it's, it's done in a very ethereal way. Everything in this movie feels a little bit spacey, spacey, you know, spaced out a little bit. You know, the, the lens is like lightly softened and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's the 90s, man, you know, yeah, that sort say, of thing. It's like, like that you know, the, home video recorder style. Yeah, home video recording. Um, you know, it, it, certainly Callum is of the rave generation, much like myself. So you have that sort of element of it as well that comes into it. So there's a lot of things in play in this film where it it's not what you would normally expect, I don't think. Wonderful movie. Absolutely wonderful. As I said, seen it twice now. First time, I was like, no, I don't, don't get it, don't get it. Oh, I get it. Second time, from the off, I get it, love it. Excellent. Uh, so after Sun, um, did it make you want to go to Turkey? It looks beautiful. <laughs> um, it didn't. No, okay. Purely based on the fact that I was, <laughs> not because it, it looks terrible or anything, it looks really nice, but just more based on the fact that I was so invested in these characters, I wanted to know more about them. Yeah. So as much as they're in that location, it's you go done to its job, location. Then. It's done its job. Exactly. There you go. Beautiful. So after Sun, where, where is it out? So this is on DVD and Blu-ray now, oh, okay. uh, and uh, also um, it's also on uh, Mubi as well. You know the the streaming platforms so you can see it on there, and obviously it's a BAFTA winner as well. Outstanding British film. Excellent. Oh, nice. Rightly so, by the sounds of it. Um, so best enjoyed on one of those big silver nineties bulbous screens. <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah maybe i guess yeah yeah but i i would rather recommend maybe putting it on some good quality uh home cinema you can actually see because it's worth on. it yeah 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 nice and now as a podcast extra here's another film review and what you got for us as the aforementioned podcast extra mark uh so armageddon time is our special podcast extra here. It's n- it's nothing to do with Armageddon. Okay, it's nothing oh, to do with the Bruce Willis movie. I thought right? this was okay. a, some sort of uh, spin-off. I thought he didn't reach the conclusion we thought. <laughs> He's still there. You were thinking, you saw the trailer and you thought, is this a prequel? 
<laughs> this is how we find out wh- why Bruce Willis was sent. You know, why he became and, an and oil the funny thing is, rig you know, worker. Yeah, yeah. Why, why he became this oil rig worker? Where did that come from? No, it's nothing to do no. with that. As you will find out from the synopsis, this is the story of young Paul Graff, who is coming of age in 1980s New York. His parents are trying to find the American dream, while his grandparents offer him advice at every turn. Uh, so okay. Yes, not quite. Yeah, really. no, not really anything to do now, with Armageddon at all. Actually. No, no, no. Not really. <laughs> um, now, the, now this film is set much like After Sun. Actually, it's set at an interesting time because certainly in American history at that point, just at the start of the new decade begins, Reaganism isn't far from coming into power. Kids are starting to find themselves earlier in their lives. Parents can't really deal with that. Uh, you know, they they didn't have that when they were growing up. So it's a film that hits that that kind of time zone where one generation was flipping to the next yeah, and modern technology was moving very quickly in that parents were not keeping up with it. So you, you kind of have that dynamic going on about how does somebody, how does a parent adapt to something when everything's moving very quickly? It is, I, I've looked this up. It's a, it's sort of loosely based on writer-director James Gray's childhood. Sort of loosely, oh, right, I guess okay. we could say it. It's obviously a deeply personal film for him. You can feel the amount of himself he's poured into the character of, of Paul, who's this young lad growing up, clearly taking elements from his own life, then adding extra drama to them. And also, I would say, hollowing, hollow, Hollywooding it up a little bit as oh, well. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because this film, I think, is aiming for a certain demographic and generation for those who who is you know who who want to watch it. But I, I think that's the problem with the film is that if you didn't grow up in a Jewish household in New York in the nineteen eighties, then I don't think you're going to be as touched by this film as the the as James Gray expects you to be. You know, I don't uh. think you're going to find yourself invested in it because. It does just have a single narrative in it, and that's how it wants to play out. It isn't really interested in opening up for those that don't that that don't. Yeah, you know, it's not well, as accessible if you haven't lived it. Yeah, it, for for those people who who did not grow up Jewish and did not grow up in New York and did not grow up in the nineteen eighties, so that that's an issue. And you know, you think back to the Fablemans, which we reviewed a few weeks ago, and I said to you. Yes. You know, that that's kind of the same thing here. But the Fablemans was very open in that if you didn't grow up just at the time uh, of the nuclear family, it didn't matter because you still enjoyed the ride with young Sammy Fableman. With this one, mm, I don't think you do that much with, with young Paul. But I'm not saying the film's boring, okay, because it isn't. I did find myself enjoying some of Paul's little mischief moments and and his interaction with his granddad is excellent. I mean, to be honest, they're the best scenes in the film. And I think yeah. they're probably the, the only trailer. moments that break. They look lovely. Imagine Anthony yeah, Hopkins exactly. as granddad. Wow. Yeah, and, and he, he does it in such a delicate way that you kind of watch it. And he does it in that sort of grandparent thing where they go, they said, I'm going to slip you some chocolates, but don't tell anybody. Don't tell your mother. And and as a kid, (laughs) yeah, exactly. And as a kid, you think it's the greatest thing in the world. And that's kind of the best scenes in the movie. And I think that's probably the only moments in the movie that will probably touch most of us 
on a personal level. Yeah. Now, if the whole film was like that, that would I be think magic. it would be a much stronger and an engaging film. But it, it's not. It's a good cast, though. I will say that. I mean, it's a great cast, it actually. Is. Superb cast. Sir Anthony Hopkins, Anne Hathaway, Jeremy Strong, Jessica Chastain. I mean, there's some of the big names. There's other people in here as well. Um, I've got to mention Banks Repetta as Paul Graff, who's the central young lad in it, who's really good. But having good actors act well, but in a, a story that's not that engaging for the majority of us, is it's an unfortunate situation to be in. Yeah, I think, you're not as invested you know. as you would want to be. Yeah, I, I listen, I'm sure there will be people who watch this film and will be bowled over by its storytelling and, and the era that it's set in and turn around and go, wow, okay, right, yes, that was my childhood yeah. or that was me with, with my grandchild or something like that. But I just found this disconnect because the film's not open enough to allow a lot of people to to understand what Paul's going through or what the family are going through. I just found that a real problem. And I found it a struggle to to truly find a way into enjoying this film. Oh, shame. It does look like a lovely as you say, hey, I guess if you um if you can find yourself or place yourself in the film, then then it's for mm. you. But interesting it's come out so soon after the Fableman's though, isn't it? That uh both yeah, directors well, sort of I mean, inspired it... life stories. Well, this was in cinemas before the Fablemans. Obviously, oh, now this is on right. DVD and Blu-ray. But you know that, as much as we should say they're two very different movies. Okay, they're two very different movies. They are touching on the same grounds. They are, yeah. you know, yeah. intersecting quite a lot. When you watch both of them, you go, okay, well, I've seen that in the Fablemans, or I've seen that in Armageddon Time. So there is a lot of crossover between this and the Fablemans. It's just the fact that the Fablemans is much more open to a viewing experience for those who, as I said, did not grow up Jewish and or in New York and or in the early 1980s. Just one to remember. Looks like a good watch, but as you say, you get a, when you're making a film about your life and Hollywoodizing it, you just got to make it accessible. So when you make the Mark Searby time, mm. um, that's what you've got to remember. <laughs> <laughs> That just that just sounds completely Mark weird. Mark time. Time. That sounds like an MC Hammer song or something. <laughs> does, doesn't it? It's Zippy Time. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Okay, that'd be a hit, you know? I think. Yeah. I'll play it. No, 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 definitely. That'd be the last show I do. But the... <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Excellent. What you got for us next week, Mark? Uh, so next week we're going to look at, at a uh, an American movie about a, a woman and her daughter who are struggling to survive in the pan uh, during the pandemic in America. Um, they're kicked out of their house, and oh. living in a tent, but still trying to get through life. Basically, it's a film called "I'm Fine." Thanks for asking. Uh, oh, nice! Which what which a is a title. great title. It's a great title. Yeah. And then we're also going to do the new film from Walter Hill, who has not made a film for quite a while. I mean, he made 48 Hours. Um, he also made uh, Streets of Fire as well. Oh. You know, he's a, he's a really good director, really um, energetic director. But anyway, he's back. He's made a Western. It's called Dead for a Dollar. Dead for a Dollar. What a bargain. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not if you're dead. Oh, yeah, no, it's not. Really, uh, yeah, exactly. It. Yeah. <laughs> Film Reviews and Movie News Film Reviews on Phoenix FM with Mark Sibby and Stuart Pink